Brilliant. Well, if we could just round our conversations, uh, that'd be great. And I'm just going to pray over Andy. I wonder if we could have, um, but yeah, all eyes closed maybe. And some of you, yeah, just stretch your hands forward towards Andy. Um, this isn't a show, <laughs> but actually all that God's invested in, we want him to share with us. Yeah, Heavenly Father, we just lift up Andy to you. Thank you, Lord God, for the man that you've called him to be. Thank you, Lord, that he's a father, Lord God. And Lord God, he's, you've seen his hand upon him, Lord Jesus, right this day. And Lord, in his preparation, Lord, you have been with him by your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I just pray as he comes to deliver this word, Lord, that we would have receptive hearts, that we'd have opened ears, and Lord God, our eyes would, would be open to you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would give us your fresh wisdom as it comes, and Lord God, your knowledge, Lord, that we might be partakers in this, not just hearers, but actually doers of your word. Lord, let Andy speak, Lord God, with confidence and clarity. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, Isaac. Good morning, everyone. It's uh, good to be here this morning. And uh, after my last preaching, a few people came to me and gave me a bit of feedback. And they said that apparently I, I wasn't asking enough questions. And apparently you, you want more questions. Anyone more questions about numbers? That's, uh, that was the feedback I got last time. So I've got good news for you. We will have some questions today. I will be asking you some questions. The bad news is I only have one question on numbers. So that's a bit disappointing, I know. But let's jump straight in. We've got our first question for today, and it's this. Um, Which command or exhortation of Jesus is the most repeated one in the New Testament? You can see that on the screen. Again, what is the most repeated command or exhortation of, of Jesus. Have a think. Now, of course, we, we believe that Jesus is God, so technically every command in, in, the, in the Bible is, is from Jesus, isn't it? But I'm talking about the incarnate Jesus. So Jesus in his, in his earthly ministry, what was his most repeated command? Any, anyone knows or any guesses? Love your neighbor. No, it's a good one. Do not worry. I think there's the, the one overall in the Bible, but not from Jesus' earthly ministry. Spread the good news. Quite good, but also very important, but that's not it. Love God. That is the, the most important one, but it is, it is not the most repeated one. So which, which one is it? Well, let's, let's, look at the, let's look at the answer. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This, this, is, this, is the most, this is the most repeated command or exhortation of Jesus in the New Testament. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. It's interesting, isn't it? Now, of course... Natural follow-up question, how many times did G- is this recorded in the New Testament? Any guesses here? How many times is this recorded? 20? Any other guesses? 15? Very close. We're getting close. 17, 13, 18. It's 16. 16 times. The- He who has ears to hear, let him hear, is recorded 16 times 
in the New Testament. So what does this, this fact, this bit of trivia actually mean for us? Probably means that this is something quite important. And if Jesus is keep on repeating this, it must be something that is quite important. Now, of course, Jesus spoke about many very important things, some of the things we heard this morning already. Again, he spoke about the first commandment, which is to love. He spoke about the great commission, which is to, to preach the good news to the nations. He also spoke about faith and salvation in his name. Those are very important. And, and I'm not saying that this command of Jesus is the most important one, but it must be quite important, isn't it? Maybe something that we should pay attention. And if Jesus keep on repeating this, it must be something that we can really benefit from, something that we should try to understand. Now, hearing, as you know, is quite important. And uh, I wonder if you have some, some funny stories about not hearing something correctly, or so not hearing someone co- correctly. Maybe it's something you can, you can share with others after the service or, or, over tea and coffee. Again, mishearing others can lead to some really funny or awkward situations, right? And sometimes it can also lead to quite, um, quite tragic situations. It can cause a lot of problems if we don't hear well. Can I just ask for the PowerPoint to move forward a little bit? Um, I've got some tragic stories. A few years ago, a young woman was doing bungee jumping in Spain, and she heard the instructor say, now jump. But the instructor was actually saying, no jump. And she jumped. Very, very tragic case of not hearing well, isn't it? In 2017, in Mumbai, in India, 23 people died during a stampede. And this was apparently caused by a flower seller who, who said in Hindi, the flowers fell down. But some people apparently heard the bridge fell down, panicked, and caused a stampede. And mishearing can be sometimes really fatal, and hearing correctly is so, so important. But is this what Jesus meant by, by this saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear? Did he just say, make sure you hear others correctly? Maybe there's a bit more to that, isn't there, than just, just hearing what others say correctly, make sure you don't mishear others. But the good thing about Jesus is that he's such a good teacher. Jesus is such a good teacher. So when he says something, he doesn't just leave us guessing. We don't have to figure it out on our own. He explains himself. He gives us more detail. So this morning, we will look at Mark chapter 4 together, where Jesus is giving us teaching on hearing and where he explains, what does this saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, what, what does he actually mean by that? What is the point that he's trying to make? So we're looking at Mark chapter 4. And in Mark chapter 4, and just to give you a bit of the, the background, this is, um, this is where huge crowds from the whole region, from many different cities, they, they come to Jesus to hear him speak. And they, they've heard about Jesus, some of the things that he said, some of the things that he did, and huge crowds gather 
to, to listen to Jesus. And so he's got this massive audience, and then he chooses to speak on this very important topic of hearing correctly. And the main, the main teaching tool that Jesus uses in Mark 4 is the parable of the sower. So the main way how he chooses to explain this, this uh, hearing correctly is using the parable of the sower. We will read the parable in, in a moment, but I just wanted to first talk about parables in general. But our next question of today is, what are parables? Why did Jesus speak in parables? What is the purpose of parables? So that's my question to you. Have a think. Why did Jesus speak in parables? To make his audience listen, get, get attention. Yeah. Yeah, stories are definitely, definitely interesting. And any other answers? It's a good one. To help us remember, definitely stories are much easier to remember than just blood points, isn't it? That's good. Compare a deeper truth in a simple way. So I, I like that too. I like that too. But that they may hear but not understand. That is actually the best answer. That is actually the best answer. Now, I agree with all the points, and because parables have multiple meanings, isn't it? There's, there's multiple reasons why you do something. But the reason that Jesus gave for why he spoke in parables, and this is in, in Mark 4, he said that he, he speaks in parables so that people who don't have the right hearing wouldn't hear. And that was what Jesus said about parables. Again, when the disciples came to him after he said the parable, and they said, we don't understand, explain this to us. Why are you speaking in parables? Again, Jesus said, said this to them. Again, that he, he actually quoted a, a prophecy that, that I'm speaking a parable so that the people who don't want to hear wouldn't hear. Again, many people think that the main point of parables is just to illustrate the truth. And that's part of that. It's just like a metaphor. But parable is actually not meant to just illustrate the truth. But in one sense, it's meant to hide the truth. It's not just to make the truth more obvious. In one sense, Jesus is saying, I'm trying to hide the truth a bit. That's, that's interesting, isn't it? He's saying, I'm saying this so that certain people wouldn't understand. Very, very interesting. Of course, when the disciples came to him, he said, you should understand. So he actually explained to them what the parable was about. He said, to you, I will make known the secrets of the kingdom. And there's a reason why he explained it to the disciples, but it was in private. Again, obviously Jesus knew a lot of people didn't understand his parable, but he only explained it in private to his disciples. He says, I'm speaking so that many people would not understand. Very, very interesting. Now, there's uh, one more point that I want to make before we read the parable. In Mark chapter 4, verse 13, there's, um, Jesus says that this parable of the sower is actually quite important. He explained to the disciples that uh, this parable is the key to understanding all the other parables. And he says, if they struggle to understand this one parable... They would struggle to understand 
all the other parables. That there's something in this parable that unlocks our understanding of, of the rest of Jesus' saying. So quite an important parable. This is actually something I've noticed for the first time as I was preparing. Jesus says, if you don't understand this one, the rest is going to be a real struggle. This is Mark, uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 13. But let's look at the parable itself then. Um, so this is I think, from Mark 4, verse 3, the parable of the sower. It's, uh, it's on the screen, so you can just follow along. Jesus says, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched because it had no root and it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I think it's quite fitting that Jesus start this parable, which is about hearing, with the words, listen, and then ends with, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He really wants us to understand about how to hear correctly. Now, this parable, of course, is about a seed, which is sown under different conditions. That's the, that's the, that's the, plain, um, that's the plain meaning here, and What does the seed represent in this parable? Well, when Jesus explained this parable to his disciples, he clearly said the seed is the word. So this parable is actually about God speaking his word to people. And the main point in this parable is that somehow the seed produces vastly different results under different conditions. And the main lesson of this parable is to figure out what those different conditions are, isn't it? We've got the seed that God speaking, same seed, yet somehow there's very different results for the same word that God speaks. Again, the outcomes are completely different, even though the words remain the same. So, in other words, the it depends on the people who are receiving the word, isn't it? There's a certain responsibility on our side to hear correctly, to hear in the right way. When God is speaking his word, it's not the words that's the problem. There's a responsibility on the receiving side to receive the seed in a certain way. And that's the same point that Jesus is making with his saying, he who has ears to hear let him hear. Just listening to the word is not sufficient. Again, how we hear the word makes all the difference. That's what makes all the difference, how we hear the word. Again, as, as the owners of our ears, it is our responsibility how we use them, how we hear the word. Now, I was thinking about some stories from my own life that could illustrate this point well, but in the end, 
I just settled for a story from the Bible because there's this one absolutely amazing, fascinating story in the, in the Gospels, just one event that is, that is such a good illustration of this. Now, until now, whenever I read this story, I find it just so, so strange. I find it really hard to believe that this has actually happened. We believe it did, but it's just such a strange story that illustrates this point so, so well. Now, this story is, has happened in Jerusalem just a few days before the crucifixion of Jesus. Now, many people have by then heard the rumors of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. So there were many, many visitors in Jerusalem from from all of Israel and Judea and, and other parts of the world, from Greece. And all of them were they're spreading this, this rumor about Jesus raising a dead man back to life. So Jesus was the, the talk of the, of the town. And, and many people were, were trying to find out where Jesus was and, and, and speak to him. And massive crowds. And, um, and as Jesus then was talking to them, this is what happened. Jesus was just finishing his, one of his saying. He was saying, Father, glorify your name. Then voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice does not come for my benefit, but for yours. God spoke audibly from heaven to some people, and half of them said, oh no, it must have been the thunder. Half of them said, oh, it's probably an angel or something, something supernatural. God was speaking audibly to people, yet they did not hear it. I, I always think, how, how is this possible? Maybe God was, maybe he was mumbling a bit. Maybe God just wasn't clearly speaking. Or, no, it can't be the case because Jesus said, this voice came for your benefit. God wasn't speaking to me. God was addressing you. So he, God went to speak to the people. Obviously, he must have been speaking clearly. God wasn't just mumbling or saying something they, they couldn't understand. God audibly spoke to people, yet... Most of them still found excuse not to hear. An audible voice of God, yet many people still did not hear that word. That's, that's amazing, isn't it? Half of them found some natural explanation why, what that was. It was a thunder. Half of them found supernatural explanation. It was an angel. If we don't want to hear, we will find some excuse. I can, I can tell you, if we don't want to hear, there's always an excuse for us not to. That's, that's amazing, isn't it? Audible voice of God. I mean, couldn't be any, any clearer, right? Just audible voice of God. Still did not hear that. Um, okay, I think this is the point that Jesus is making in his parable. The problem is not with the word. It's not with the way that God is communicating to us. The problem is how we receive the word. It's not, the word is not too hard to understand. The problem is how we listen, how we receive that word. That's the point that Jesus is making here. Now, hopefully, now we understand what the problem is. The problem is 
not the word. The problem is not how God's communicating. The problem is how we hear. The problem is how we receive the word. So we know the problem. What's the solution then? (laughs) So what is the solution? How do we hear well? How do we hear God's word well? What is the good soil in this parable? Again, what does the what kind of attitude does this good soil then represent? I'll go back to John's gospel for the, for the answer. I think what Jesus says in John 7 verse 17 is the description of the good soil. It describes the attitude of the good soil. This is what Jesus says in John 7 verse 17. If anyone is willing to do his will, he will know. Whether, whether the teaching is of God or whether I speak on my own accord. If anyone is willing to do his will, he will know. If anyone is willing to do his will, he will know. What, what is Jesus saying here? This, this attitude, this desire to do God's will, that will help us to discern God's voice. If we're willing we, we will know. Again, we will only be able to hear God's voice properly if we're willing to do what it says. And it, that's, that, that's how that works. And back in Mark 4, after Jesus explains this parable, uh, what the parable means to his disciples, he then says that God's word is like light, like a lamp. And light is meant to shine. And there's no point in having some lamp or light if you're going to put it under the bed. In the same way, the Word of God is meant to affect something. The Word of God is meant to do something. There's no point in having the Word of God if you're going to put it under the bed. The, the Word is meant to produce something. The Word is meant to bring some harvest. So why, why, why should you have it if you're just going to put it under the bed? Again, um, got another scripture from, from the prophet Isaiah. This is what God spoke through him. He said, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Again, when God speaks his word to us, there's a reason for it. God wants to do something through his word. He wants to accomplish something. That means we'll only be able to receive it if we're willing, if we're willing to fulfill the purpose for which it was sent. Because God's word will not return to him empty. It will be fruitful. God's word will succeed. So in order to receive it, we need to be willing to do what it says. Let's go back to the parable. Let's... Let's talk about then what does this parable actually mean? God speaking his words, the first group of people that it comes to, those are people that are not interested at all in doing God's will. Now, the bad news is that there's only two teams. And if you're not on God's team, you're automatically on Satan's team. And say, so if you're not interested in doing God's will, Satan will make sure that you do not hear God's word. He just takes it away. Now we've got the 
second group of people. The word comes to them, and these are people who make emotional response. They say, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do God's will, but it's just a surface-level response. Their heart's not in it. So five minutes later, when it gets a little bit difficult, when it actually requires a little bit of sacrifice, where there's cost to it, they just give up. They are not willing to pay any price for, for following the, the will of God. That means they were not really genuine. It was just a surface-level response. Again, they were not genuinely willing to obey God. Now, the word comes to the third group of people among the thorns. And these are the people who mix their desires to obey God with their own desires. They say, I'll do what God told me to, but after I accomplish this for myself. They have, they have their own ambitions, their, their own desires. They're interested in primarily in what benefits them rather than doing the will of, of God. And we cannot put God's will, God's word to the second place in our life. We cannot serve two masters, as Jesus says, isn't it? God's will, his word needs to be in the first place in our lives. or It will not work. It will not produce any fruit. Now, finally, the word comes to the fourth group of people. And this should be an encouragement for us, isn't it? Because it tells us that it is possible to be genuinely willing to do the will of God. It is possible to to have that attitude to obey the will of God in our lives. Are you the good soil? Why not? Yeah, I'm sure all of us here, we want to do the, the, the will of God. What is stopping us? Again, this is an encouragement to us. It is possible to genuinely want to do the, the will of God. Why don't, we, why don't we make that decision? Yes, we, we will obey God. We will do what he tells us to. We will follow his will for our lives. It is possible to, to be the good soil. And I love how Jesus describes in his explanation what this good soil is. He says these are the people that welcome the word. They welcome the word. They, they want to know what God's will is. They're open to the, to the will of God, to the word of God in their lives. They want to hear God's word and they welcome it because they're ready to let it produce something in their lives. Let's, let's welcome the word of God it's in our lives. Let's be open to the will of God for, for our lives. And we will see great harvest. That's the encouragement, isn't it? Where, when, we are, when we are the good soil, there will be a great harvest through that word in our lives. Now, what are some of the practical things that we can do to help us to have that willingness to obey? It's, it's, it's nice to say, I want to, but what, are there some practical things that, that we can do? I mean, ultimately, it is just up to us to make up our mind. Again, they are our ears. It is up to us. To, we are responsible how we hear. But at the same time, we can be greatly inspired by the life of Jesus. As we know more about who Jesus is, what he's done, that greatly inspires us to be like him, 
to, be, to, to have the same attitude as him. And when the writer of Hebrews was, was uh, looked at Jesus' life, he said his life just perfectly embodied this prophecy. Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. This is what Jesus' life was about. Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. And we want to be like that. We want to be like Jesus. The night before his crucifixion, and when Jesus was ready to do this impossible task, to, to sacrifice for the, for the, um, for the humanity, this, is, this was his prayer. Father, not my will, but yours be done. And we need to be inspired by Jesus again. We need to encounter him again to be changed into his likeness as people who are set on doing the will of God. Now, there is a second thing that, that we can do. We have the Holy Spirit. And we believe that as Christians, as those who follow Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit living on the inside. And in Romans 8, Paul describes in great detail what it looks like when we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us in our lives. One of the things that he says is that those who live according to the Spirit will have their minds set on the things of God so that they will be able to submit to his will. That when we live according to the Spirit, he helps us to set our minds on the things of God so that we are able to submit to his will. Another thing that, that Paul says in Romans 8 is that the Holy Spirit is the one that testifies that we are the children of God that he helps us to relate to God as our Father. He's the one that cries, Abba, Father. So we can relate to God as our Father. And obeying our Father becomes not just a task, it becomes something personal. It becomes something much more meaningful. It's not just this, this rule that we have to do. No, this is, a, this is part of our relationship with our Father. The Holy Spirit, in many different ways, can help us to do the will of God in our lives. So allowing Him to influence us, to lead us, will make it much easier to make up our minds and, and obey God when we hear His Word. Now, when I was preparing uh, this message, there's one verse that came to me very strongly. Um, I was just preparing, I was just praying. This was just one verse that, that keep, kept, kept coming back to me very strongly, and it's this one. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And we've got a question here, a last one for today. Who, who said this? Where is this from? Who said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening? We've got Samuel. I've heard, I've heard that all over the place. So many of you said Samuel. I'll allow that. Samuel did say that. Technically, Eli told him to say it first, but, <laughs> but uh, this, is, this is recorded in 1 in first, uh, first Samuel, uh, chapter, uh, I forgot the chapter, it should be on the board, no, chapter 3, 1 Samuel 3, but this was part of a story that when Samuel was still a child, God spoke to him three times. But Samuel did not understand that word. Samuel did not understand that it was God speaking to him. So the priest Eli actually told him to say this. Speak, Lord, or your servant is listening. 
So when God spoke to Samuel again, Samuel said this, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And then Samuel was able to hear God's voice. Okay, it's, it's, the same, it's the same idea that we've been talking about. This, this attitude of a servant, this attitude of obedience. God, I'm willing to do what you tell me to, enabled Samuel to recognize the voice of God. He could hear something, but it wasn't clear. He didn't know it was God until he had that attitude of obedience. God, I'm your servant. Speak to me because I'm, I'm listening now. I'm ready to do what you tell me to. That made all the difference. That, that, that meant that he was now able to hear what God, God told him to. And this was the beginning of his prophetic career, which was, of course, very successful. This lesson that he learned when he was still a child was really important. And I, I wonder what, what our lives would look like if we took this, took this phrase and started to, to speak that to God throughout our week, what, if, what, if, what our life would look like if we said, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. God, tell me what to do, and, and I'll do it. I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm welcoming your guidance into my life. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Why not, why not try that over, over the next few weeks as you pray, as you go about your life? Why not just every now and then just, just slip this Slip this quick, quick prayer. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Now, of course, as I mentioned, we are, we are more than just servants. We are the, the sons of God, the, the, the children of God. But we're not talking about identity here. We're talking about this, this attitude, this posture. God, I'm ready to do what you tell me to. Just speak to me. I'm, I'm listening, Lord. Tell me what to do. I'm ready to do what you tell me to. As I was reflecting on, on my life, when God spoke to me, I, I realized the times where God gave me the, the most direction, when God spoke to me most clearly, was when I was most surrendered to Him. It was when, when I was praying prayers like this. So I'm really inspired, just really energized to pray this again in my life. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. I'm, I'm ready, Lord. Send me out. Tell me what to do. I will do that. One last point as we're finishing. One last thing that we haven't mentioned yet about the parable, and that is, who is the sower? Who is the one speaking God's word to others? Well, of course, it's God himself who, who speaks his word, but maybe it could also be us as well, isn't it? We've also been commissioned by, by, by Jesus to speak his word to, to other people. So maybe we should also be open. Maybe we should be on the lookout how we can speak God's word to others. Because there's people that are out there who are the good soil. And just one word can produce a massive harvest in their lives. Let's, we are the sower too. So let's be, let's be mindful of the people around us that we can speak God's word to. Some encouragement, some, some, some direction, some truth of God that, that, that we can speak to, to other people. I'm going to finish by reading the, the end of, of Mark 4, verses 24 and 25. This is how Jesus finishes his teaching on hearing. 
Then Jesus said to them, Take heed what you hear. Pay careful attention what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has, to him more will be given. Whoever does not have, even what, what he has will be taken away from him. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful this morning that you are God who, who speaks to us. You are the God who speaks, who communicates to us, who, who makes your ways known to us. And this morning, we, we are grateful for, for this teaching of Jesus on hearing that just alerts us, that, that tells us about our responsibility to hear well, to be those who receive the word of God with the willingness to do what it says. So we, we were praying this morning that that indeed would be our attitude. That will be the posture in our, in our lives. We're praying this morning, would you help us to be the good soil, Father? We're praying that you would fill us afresh with your Spirit. Fill us afresh. We, we open our lives to the influence of your Spirit so that we may do the will of God in our lives. Father, we long for that great harvest in our lives. We want to see the transformation that comes through your word in us and through us and all around us. We long for that harvest. We want our lives to be fruitful. So would you help us to be willing to do your will in our lives? Help us, strengthen us, encourage us, remind us, Father, This morning, we, we look to you, our God, and we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Lord, we, we are ready. We don't know what you're going to speak to us, but we will say yes regardless. We know that your will is good and perfect, and we, we can trust you with, with what you tell us. That you have good things for us. You are so, so faithful, so trustworthy. So we say yes to you, even before, even before the, we know what you tell us. We say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. We also ask that you would remind us of some of the words that you spoke to us in the past. Some of the things that you said to us that maybe we are still yet to do. We pray you would encourage us. Encourage us to complete the, those tasks, complete those things that, that you said to us. Oh, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. But this morning, we are just grateful that Jesus is such a good teacher, that he is telling us about this, that we, do, we don't have to live in, in ignorance, but we know how to live our lives. We know what to do. We know that we have to submit to your will in our lives. So thank you for your, for your teaching, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.